celebrity hairstylist here, your host of the Hairstyles Empowerment Podcast. Today, we have something exciting for you to listen to and someone who's involved with a voice for our community. So I'd like to welcome our guest, Penny Douglas, who is part of OPA, but also does some other stuff in the hair industry. So I want to say welcome, Penny. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and a little bit about your background. Sure. Thanks for having me here, Brad, and for the welcome. Um, I have been in the industry for about 22 years. Um, when I started out, I actually did not want to be a hairstylist. Didn't think I had done hair when I was younger, but um, I wasn't interested. And one day I was driving in the city in Ottawa and drove by the school. At the time I was working in a bank, totally different from hairstyling and decided people had told me that they thought that's something I should have gone into because I did do hair before I started doing hair. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, so I decided to stop in just to check out the program and see what it was all about. And I registered that day. Oh, wow. Which, uh, yeah. So big life change. My husband and I had just bought a house. So when I came home and told him I'm going to college, he kind of wasn't impressed. <laughs> <laughs> so I quit my job at the bank and I was working in a restaurant um, evenings and weekends to put me through school, um, which I'm so thankful for because that's where I got my passion for it. I mm -hmm. actually started enjoying it. And uh, it's funny because when I first started hairstyling, like doing the clients in school, um, I was never nervous about doing anybody's hair, you know, while I was in high school and I did, you know, highlights and perms and cuts until I actually knew what I was doing. That's when I started getting nervous, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is funny. But anyways, um, so graduated school and uh, I'm through over the years, I had managed to salon for nine years. And then um, in those nine years, I did a little bit of uh, hair shows in Ottawa. Um, the people that I worked with at the time, we did the choreographing and organizing and um, performing in the hair shows just for schools and stuff because I liked education and I liked new stylists getting educated. Uh, to me, that was really important. Um, and then I ended up buying my own salon, um, which I've had now for five years, I think, four years. Mm. Um, and I also work at Algonquin College, which I've done that. I actually started there around the time of buying my salon, which again, my husband <laughs> didn't think that was a great idea either, mm. but uh, I love it. I love the diversity and the challenges it brings me. And I like that I have a say in the future of my industry. Mm -hmm. And it does make such a big difference because you're kind of like me because um, I never thought I'd actually be in the salon industry. Now I've been in quite a few decades now into hair doing as a platform. I've been a salon owner. Um, I've done film, television, video work. But my reasoning was if I couldn't, I wanted to be in theater. So I thought if I couldn't get a job on stage, at least if I took hair, I could work backstage and that would give yes. me a foot into the door. So I went and I thought, okay, I'll do it a year, see how it goes. 
right? Because I thought, well, why put all that money in? And you know, school isn't cheap. So, yeah. so I did, I did one year and I thought, okay, I'll do five years then 10 years and, you know, 20 and then, you know, so-and-so. And now I say I educate all across Canada, the US, I do film, television, video work. I've been a salon owner. You know what I mean? I'm an educator as well, platform artist. Um, but we're going to get a little bit deeper yeah. into you teaching for a college and, and what kind of the challenges are coming up with, with doing that. But what was a really defining moment for you that finally said, like in your head, the hair industry is what I'm just going to what I'm going to do? It didn't happen until I started school, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Like I just I did it. My friends told me I was good at it, but I never really had that passion until I started school and learned properly, I guess. Okay. Like I learned yeah. the way to do things and there's more structure than I knew mm -hmm. to it. So, and I really liked that, I think. And then um, my first job, I didn't even, I kind of bypassed the apprenticeship stage. Like when I got my first job, it was uh, one of my teachers from college that got me the job in the salon oh. that he worked on in on the weekends. Mm -hmm. And I was behind the chair right away, which looking back, I probably <laughs> wouldn't have Shouldn't done have that been. again, <laughs> but that was a long time ago. So, and I'm here today, so it worked for me, but I don't know that it's a good process to go on. <laughs> Amazing. So how did you know you wanted to be an educator? So from going from hairstylist to educator, what made you want to take that jump? I don't know that I ever really knew. I like change. I think that most artistic people like change. And I'd done a few different things in the industry. And I know that when I was doing um, the little hair shows where we would invite the schools to come to, mm -hmm. I liked I liked that part of it, being on stage and kind of teaching them. Um, but I still didn't do anything about it for a long time. And then uh, actually one of my clients in my salon she works at Algonquin College in a different department and she saw the uh, advertisement that they had had for uh, in the hairstyling department and she said I don't know if you're interested but I saw this and thought of you and I thought I'd pass it along so I did apply I sent my resume in and didn't hear back and I thought well I guess that's not for me and a year later they <laughs> finally called me in for an interview and like I said at that point I had just bought my salon and I was thinking, well, it doesn't hurt to try. I mean, mm -hmm. just because I go for an interview, it doesn't mean I have to do it. Exactly. But um, I liked uh, Deanna, who is the co um, program coordinator at Algonquin. Mm -hmm. We kind of, I felt like we kind of had to hit it off a bit and uh, thought I'd try it out and ended up really loving it. Amazing. Yeah. So what is your greatest reward you've had um, from being an educator? I would say seeing my students at the beginning of their program to seeing them graduate and the leaps and bounds that they come. Like, I love to see their progression. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's good. And then see them. So I usually keep in contact with a lot of my students out. Oh, okay. so like I follow yeah. social media is fantastic for that too. Right. Mm -hmm. And I see where they've gone and like where they're, where they've gone and what uh, work that they're doing and you know, how they've improved and, like they've grown so much and that makes me proud because I had a part in that and I like that. It's amazing. So yeah. what do you think the challenges are for like right now in the education uh, system, what are the biggest challenges and what are the challenges as a educator now that most of, well, are pretty much all depending on where you're at is now online. Okay. Let's start at the beginning of your question. So mm -hmm. the challenges I find 
uh, apart from COVID, um, and I say this as an educator and a salon owner, is that when the students are, so we educate them to get ready to work in a salon, but once they're in a salon, I feel like there's a huge gap between working in the salon and, uh, sorry, going to school and working in the salon. Mm -hmm. And there needs to be some kind of almost connection to mentors in salons on almost taking like, I don't know, starting where they've left off mm -hmm. the students at school instead of just jumping into it and following them around and, you know, having them be assistants rather than apprentices. I mean, they do assistant work because what else? I mean, mm -hmm. you need to do something, right? Yes. But they're there to learn. And I think that it's frustrating for me. I find that a lot of assistants, uh, a lot of, sorry, apprentices are not there to learn fully yes. and that's lacking that and that I find as a challenge, maybe not in the education system, but just at the after, like getting them into the working industry. So would you find that that's on the apprentice themselves or it's on the person that took on the apprentice? I think it's both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So some are there mostly just, okay, I'm done school now. I want to get my hours. As soon yeah. as I have my hours, I'm going to take off and open up my own shop. And then maybe from a salon owner, and this is not all salon owners, they're like, hey, now I have somebody to answer the phone, sweep the floor, you know, um, do, do the blowouts or whatever it might be, or the shampoos. Yes, it's good. But I think as an owner, your job is to train them. And like you said, be a, a master. Like I trained with the world champion for two years with my license after I graduated. Wow. So it gives you, once you learn to learn that system, that it makes you a much better stylist. Because I think, yes, school prepares you, but they prepare you on the basics. But I think you're, when I left school, I was taught that it takes three to five years to start to get good yeah. because it takes about that amount of time before you encounter every type of hair. And yes, when you, when you leave school, you have to pay your dues. You can't just come apply for a job, expect you're going to make, you know, um, 1500 a week, you know, with no clients and, and you haven't even, you know, <laughs> you have, you have no skills. Yes. Right? You may have been the star at school, but when you're in a regular salon, especially a good high-end salon that really pride themselves in the work that they do, you do have to pay your dues. Yes, it's a pain, but I think there's benefit in doing that. There's benefit in, in the additional learning. There's benefit, which we'll talk about too. I think there's more learning that we have to do now after we we graduate right. and get licensed. Yes. You know, then when in school, because school, even though it's 1500 hours and then another 2000 hours apprenticeship, or depending on how you, you do it or do a, a four year apprenticeship, or depending on how the setup is, mm -hmm. you really need to take that time. Working on a mannequin is totally different. And working yeah. in school, you know, is totally different than it is when you're working with real people, with real personalities. <laughs> right. And that actually is a good point because now during COVID, they don't have that opportunity as much to work on people. So I feel mm -hmm. like they're um, they're still getting a great education, mm -hmm. but they're not getting the experience on, well, like you said, mannequin heads are de very different than yes. actual people heads. So mm -hmm. that... Um, to make sure that they're getting that experience, they need that support on the other side of school. Exactly. Sure. Now so, more than ever. Yeah. Learning yeah. your soft skills, learning how to interact with clients, yeah. learning how to assess 
the personality type quickly, learning how to defer any type of elevated, you know, yeah, arguments. Because exactly. some, some people, you know, they're just, you may have done the most perfect job in the world. Your haircut is technically perfect, but they're still going to not like it. Right. So, exactly. Yeah. And, and you as you as a stylist have to know how to handle that without right. causing a scene without, you know, there, there's skills that we really need to, to, to kind of learn, as I say, you learn somewhat in school, but as I you say, once you're in real life, it's totally different. And yeah, it's, and it's totally only, different. You can Go only ahead. learn that by experience. And exactly. So the, the class that I'm teaching now, I do teach um, conflict re resolution. Mm -hmm. And, but I mean, you need practice in that. You can learn it mentally, but you actually yes. need to be involved in it to actually learn it, you know? So that's hard too. And now going back to um, your question about challenges online, that's mm -hmm. one of them is where they're not interacting with each other as much mm -hmm. and they go online and they can turn their their camera off and, and not mm -hmm. have any communication, which that is a big, as an educator, that's a big challenge. Exactly. And I mean, I like to speak to kind of anybody doing any kind of online education, turn your microphone on, turn your camera on. If you're invested and you're paying money to be trained, be invested. Yeah. What if you were teaching a class and people were like bored, you know, chewing their gum, turning their camera off, not interested. You be as interested as you want people to be interested in you because yeah. you want your client interested in you. And that's why, okay, so what? We have a bad hair day. We're not here to compare how good somebody looks or how not or you just woke up it doesn't matter keep right. your camera on to sh you show you're engaged if you don't know something ask yes. the only stupid questions are the ones you don't ask yes exactly. and that's because you may think well i'm i that's a dumb question you never know how many other students in that class are thinking the same yep. thing and they're thinking thank goodness that person asked because i didn't want to be embarrassed by exactly. asking to i mean yeah. i say i apprenticed for two years with my license you know within the first five i opened up my first salon but the thing is you have to have that background you have to have that education you have to have questions and this is going to be your livelihood ask questions be yeah. involved be present and communicate exactly it's a big part of our job is communication and in school the in-school part of it that's where you're learning to communicate yeah you're communicating be, with your peers and hopefully with um, clients that do come into the labs which are not happening right now but mm -hmm. that's your chance to communicate and if you're um, not present and your camera's off and you're not participating i feel like mm -hmm. that you're lacking out on that part of your education experience but, but exactly. But if you have an educator, you have an educator like like Penny, who has a wealth of knowledge and wisdom, and you can tap into that for free. <laughs> for like, free. For free. <laughs> well, obviously, you paid for your course, but she's going to yeah. give above and beyond. Exactly. So if there's something you want to know, she's right there. You can yeah. email, you can connect or however it works. But the thing is, when you have somebody that has that wealth of knowledge, always go for somebody that has already been where you want to be because she knows how to get there. Maybe there've been different roads we all took, but we all know how to get there. So why not take advantage of that right now? Like me doing this, this uh, conversation with Penny right now, I'm learning so much because I took the opportunity to reach out and say, Hey, Penny, I know you have value. I know you have knowledge. I know people in our community wants to hear what your voice has to say that you're empowering others who are listening to this podcast right now. So yeah. with, with that sort of thing, um, 
it's always good to have a voice that's speaking in the industry. So why did you get involved with OPA? So people that have never heard of OPA, OPA is the Ontario Provincial Hairstylist Association. So Ontario professional, yeah. Professional hairstylist. Professional hairstylist. So <laughs> what what kind of what is OPA about? Um, what what's your role in OPA? So I heard of OPA way back when they first started because a lot of a few of my colleagues were involved in it um, from Algonquin. And I was really interested in it because at that time, um, that was the beginning of the dismantling of OCOT, the Ontario, Ontario College of Trades. Um, and at that point, OCOT had just um, set forth the Red Seal requirement for licensing, which I was fully on board with. Mm -hmm. uh, I had like they had trained us to do the assessors for um, the, the Red Seal exams for the next graduating class. Mm -hmm. And then it stopped like a, the brakes were on hard. And I was really looking forward to having the Red Seal because I felt like it was bringing the professionalism back into our industry, you know, um, because like you had said earlier, you can have the book smarts, but if you don't have the skill or even mm -hmm. the passion or um, the care, like, all that wrapped into one, mm -hmm. it doesn't make you great, you know? And I felt like that bringing that in was going to make sure that people knew the skill and they knew what to do, like in between the skill too, like cleaning up after yourself, for example, mm -hmm. and, you know, making sure that, that things are done properly. And uh, so that's why I had originally gotten involved. Um, well, I was interested at that time. I wasn't involved yet, mm -hmm. but, and then COVID hit and I was online. I had a lot of free time on my hands, like every other hairstylist and reading all of the um, groups on Facebook, what the hairstylists were asking, you know, everybody seemed lost. I found mm -hmm. nobody knew what was going on, myself included. Uh, nobody knew where to find information or to get the answers and that's frustrating, especially mm -hmm. because for business owners, I found was that um, this is my business and I need answers because I'm a kind of person where I like to be prepared, you know, like I want to be ready for, well, if I, when I, when I do open, what is that going to look like? What do I need to mm -hmm. do to prepare for it? Um, so then I expressed my interest. Well, first I became a member of OPA and I expressed my interest in joining the board, just hoping mm -hmm. that I could even help to get that information out there because I knew what people were asking, you know, like, mm -hmm. like I said, people to me seemed lost and I, I felt that like I knew where they were coming from because I felt the same thing. Um, so, I mean, you jump in with guns blazing, but you can't mm -hmm. go straight to the top. No, that, that's but right. But the, the biggest thing, and that's what I found. So within those groups, that's why I found a lot of people too, is they thought we need a voice here. We pay, yes. our, we, here we pay to OCOT every single year. Yeah. We pay a membership fee. We're governed by the government. How come we're closed? How come they're not fighting for us? How come OCOT is not doing anything, even though we're governed, we're trained in, in, um, you know, sanitation, bacteriology, all that kind of stuff. We've done all the work by putting up the plexiglass, yeah. by doing the temperatures, by, so we've done everything, but yet it doesn't seem to be enough. And I know personally, I've contacted OCOT several times with no reply. Well, so, I don't know how much involvement OCOT has now though. They, they don't have as much like yeah, this was in previous. This, yeah, this is in previous before before I saw before I saw OPA, 
right? Okay. So once I yeah. saw OPA, I became a member because I say I researched it. I became a member, but yeah. that's one thing we really need is to know that is OPA going to be our voice or is OCOT our voice or what's the, right. this is probably another conversation, but yeah. with the dismantling kind of what's going to happen. Because right. here we are, we're one of the few governed um, industries with the lowest amount of, of cases and with the most experience, but we'll, we'll skip that for now. But, <laughs> yeah, but, we could have a whole other yeah, conversation on exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> but this leads me to my next question is why do you think OPA is important? Well, I, it listens to the concerns of the stylists and it's the forefront of reaching out for the right people to be heard, right? So they're giving out the information, uh, not the information, the connections mm -hmm. so that you as a hairstylist can be heard and they're encouraging you because we're fighting for the same thing, but we don't know who to who we're fighting towards does yes. too, you know mm -hmm. so they kind of let you know as a stylist these are the people that you need to talk to to be heard mm -hmm. and if we band together the more voices we have the louder we are the more they have no choice but to hear us and that's it, what opa tries to do is to make us heard so you know trying to encourage more people to join and um get the information to the right people mm -hmm. like the mpps and the P the premier and you know the governing bodies that will can make a difference. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. it. So what is what is your role with OPA? So I am in charge of um, the memberships when so what I remember the day that you became a member, Brad, because I sent you an email to you did. You <laughs> did. So that's my job. Um, also um, a, a new role that I'm taking on is uh, to being part of creating the newsletters that we're going to be having the information newsletters once a month. So mm -hmm. I'm kind of looking forward to that too. But um, yeah, I mean, I like to stay a little bit behind the scenes. I'm not really a forefront kind of person. So I'm happy doing what I'm doing there and I'm still helping. So I like exactly that. because you need somebody to who put the information together to right. get it out there at least yeah. once a month, at least you're in contact with, with a, a body that kind of is say, Hey, we're in touch. This is what we're doing. This is right. what's going on. Yeah. This is what's relatable to the industry. Um, because if you go online, if you go on uh, Facebook or you go on to Instagram or you go on the website, it does have a lot of information there already. And they're pretty active with kind of yeah. keeping up with what's kind of happening. Um, can you tell me something that people don't know about OPA? Um, I think with what I've seen going like the comments and stuff on Facebook, I think that people think number one, that we're making money, mm -hmm. which we are not <laughs> like we are. No, because right now to become a member, to become a member when I signed up, it didn't cost me anything. No. So we were running a free membership campaign, mm -hmm. but I mean, there are costs to everything. Well, of course. And yeah. you try to make sure that that's not going to come out of our pockets, you know, so that's what your membership fee goes towards is like keeping our website going and, you know, the, the administration costs, I guess. Well, it takes um, time to reach out. It takes time to yeah. get letters put together. It takes yeah. time to do research. It takes time to, and plus everybody on the board, you know, as well, they all have something else that they do. 
right? Yep. So they're of all course, either yep. in the hairdryer industry or have their own profession on top of doing this as well. So at yes. least at least the board you have are people that are connected in the industry and not just people at random that I want to be on the board and they're like, okay, you know, they, they no. make sure you have the credentials to, to be, you know, uh, on the board uh, as well. But if yeah, people- because you, you need to have something to offer. Right. So if you're not, if you're in the restaurant industry, you might have something to offer, but it might not be enough. Exactly. So if people wanted to find more information, um, where would they go? They can go to the OPA website, which I should know the the address off by heart. Um, Or they can check us out on Facebook and the link for the website is there. I know that for sure. Yeah, we'll have it right below. Yeah, we'll put it right below so people can see um, right there. But you are on Instagram as well. You are on Facebook. You have a group that they can join. You have a a website with uh, where they can apply to be a member. Um, But in order to become a member, is there any type of um, sort of regular, do you have to be licensed? Do you have to be from Canada? Do you have to? Well, not necessarily. I mean, all those questions are asked. But we do have actually people who are joined outside of Ontario. And actually, there's even one outside of Canada. And we're not um, saying you can't be a member. We just Mm -hmm. don't think there's really anything that you would benefit from. Because with OPA, yeah. So with OPA, they're mostly um, concerned with Ontario, correct? So as said right in the title. So it's Ontario. You have to be a professional. Obviously, it's for hairstylists. But... Because it is for hairstylists, would you also maybe have nail people or tattoo artists or is it mainly um, just for hairstylists? We haven't really looked at that yet, mm-hmm. but who knows what the future brings. In the future, it may develop you know. and find you want to widen widen your spectrum. So in closing, what's a nugget of gold um, or wisdom that you can impart with our audience? Um, for in this time that uh, we're living in, in COVID and being in a lockdown. And if you feel that it's unfair, don't stop fighting, like find the resources. And I know OPA is full of resources. Mm -hmm. Check them out on their Facebook page and Instagram page. We're very active there, especially now with all the things going on and wanting to be heard, get your voice in there. That's all I can say because they're starting to listen. Yeah, amazing, amazing. I just love the work that OPA's been doing. I want to say thank you so much, Penny, for coming on the Hairstyles Empowerment Podcast today. So for anybody listening, make sure you go check out your website, which actually is listed below here. And it's actually listed below uh, Penny's video there as well. Um, Join, join, get online, join the Instagram, join their Facebook Find out all the information you can. Once you sign up, Penny will contact you starting monthly, uh, whenever everything's ready to roll, giving you the information that you need. And I'm so glad that everybody came on board today. Thank you for listening. And we'll catch you. you next time. Thanks, Brad.